0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye not the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. To all generations. And my question today is, When does the student become the teacher? When does the student become the teacher? God bless you. You may be seated. I remember being a teenager in the late 1960s. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. I remember in the 1960s, everything was closed on Sunday. What? Everything was closed? That's right. No grocery stores, no shopping, no restaurants. Why, you couldn't even buy gasoline. You better take care of all that stuff on Saturday because Sunday is church and family day. Church in the morning, family the rest of the day. Picnics, getting together with other families, socializing. Sunday night was when the best programs were on, and they were all family programs. The wonderful world of Disney. Bonanza. All the best shows. Sunday night, family night. And morality, well, morality was a big deal. It was a big deal. It meant a lot. I can remember the few pregnant girls that we had in high school were immediately kicked out. You don't get to continue to attend public school if you get pregnant. Adultery, if you were a woman, you were shunned from society. People turned their nose up at you and, turned their back on you and if you were a man well you were worse than a dog for being unfaithful to your spouse divorce oh that was that was like a four-letter word that meant that not only had the man failed but the woman had failed to and the family was disgraced by divorce very very few divorces I also saw the worst, I saw where abortion was legalized. I saw where prayer was taken away from public schools. I saw a rebellious generation. I saw riots. I saw protests, free love, LSD. It was during the Vietnam War. I saw where, cho- where soldiers were not treated with respect, and it was all wrong. And do you know what? The protesters became the teachers of the next generation. They were in college protesting against the government, and many of them turned against God as well. And they became the teachers. It's a dangerous time and a turbulent time in which America began to fall. But I've got some really, really good news for you today. God will always, always have a people. I want you to examine with me Isaiah 59 and verse 29. Verse 19, Isaiah 59 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy, you remember when it gets bad and when you begin to think that the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket, you remember these words When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. There are still a good number of people in this country that believe in morality, that believe in righteousness, that believe in holiness. Don't let the media make you think that that's the way everybody feels. It's not true. Don't buy into the movies that say that promiscuity is happening everywhere. And that if you're a virgin, that there's just something wrong with you. Don't buy it. Let the Spirit of the Lord raise up a standard and raise up a people that declares his righteousness to the next generation. And the Redeemer shall come from Zion, and unto them that from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. This is gonna pass on from generation to generation. His truth continues to march on. You just gotta decide which group you're gonna march with because you're gonna march with one or the other. My pastor used to say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We know what we stand for, we know whom we believe in, and we believe he is able to keep us. And when sin abounds, the Bible says, grace does, it doesn't say just abound, it says much more. It's not equal. Did you hear what I said? Well, as, as the world turns up its sin, God turns up his grace in equal proportion. No, that's not what the scripture said. God did much more, much more, not the same, much more abound. But I also noticed that this rebellious generation of the 60s had revival in the 70s. I also noticed that a good number of people in this congregation are from the 70s when it came to their experience with God. We have grown up together. I recognize the importance of decades and generations, and I hope that you do too. Now, a decade is 10 years, a generation is 40 years. And it is significant even in the scripture. Did you know that the first three kings of Israel all reigned for 40 years apiece? Did you remember that Moses lived his life in three 40-year time periods? And all of those were raising up their their next leader. Leaders were homegrown. Those are the best kind, folks. I know that sometimes we need to import people, but the best way to grow a church... The best way to grow a church and the best way to grow the next generation is from the generation of the present inside your own congregation. It's the best way to go, starting with your children and somebody else's kids as well. That's the best way to grow a church. Did you know that the priests of Israel had to be 30 years of age before they could begin their ministry from the tribe of Levi? And did you also know that when the priest became 50, their ministry changed from service to mentoring? The 50s mentored the 30s. I had a little bit of a flashback, and if you'll just give me a minute to to express myself. I remember being a rebellious teenager myself. None of you saw that. You, you don't know what I was like when I was a teenager, but I do. And the teenagers that are raised in this church, you get to see them not only at their west, at their best, but sometimes at their worst. And sometimes it's hard for you to forget the mistakes that they've made, and it's easy to forget the mistakes you've made. But we were all at one time teenagers. We all had our regrets. We all probably rebelled against our parents and against some of the things that we were taught. I had the advantage of coming into the church at the age of 22. My teenage years were gone. I became a part of Parkway Apostolic Church. Nobody knew who I was. And I didn't volunteer any information. But at the age of 22, I gave my life to God, and at the age of of 24, Pastor Tamil gave me a three-year apprenticeship, took me under his wing. By the time I was 27 years old, I began to pastor. I wonder how many of you would follow a 27-year-old pastor who'd never pastored before. It would be difficult for you. In the back of your mind, you'd probably say, What can a 27-year-old tell me? I'm an adult. I have experience. But even at the age of 27, I got my chance because God called me, and because my pastor believed in me, and a few folks took a chance with me. I think it's time for payback. I think it's time to start trusting the next generation to believe that they can not only be as good as we think we are, but even better. I will never forget the words of my father when I tried to pay him a compliment one day. I said, Dad, I admire you so much. I want to be a truck driver. I want to be just like you. And my dad, without hesitation, turned to me and said, Son, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. Can I speak to the next generation this morning? We don't want you to be like us. We want you to be better than us. We want the next generation to be stronger, more evangelistic than our generation has been. I also remember seeing a sign that said, life is short, you're about to become a memory. So be a good one. Did you hear what I said? You're about to become a memory. So be a good one. So I want to talk to some people here in the few minutes that I have with you today and leave hopefully a lasting impression. I have a vision for every service. I I visualize the service before I even put all the notes down. And I have a vision for this service. And I would like those that are 50 years and above to please stand. If you're 50 or above. I would like to thank you for your service. You have worked in the heat of the day. In a large part, this church is what it is because of the commitment the faithfulness and the sacrifices that you have made. We, for as long as I can remember, have been in a building program that you have supported. Thank you for giving your tithes, your offerings, your missionary support, your evangelistic outreach. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. Thank you for sticking with it, supporting one another, and supporting the ministry of this church. You are to be commended, and we thank you because in a large part, what we're standing in today, you had a big part in it. So I thank you. (laughs) Praise God. You may be seated. But I began this message by saying, when does the student become the teacher? I also want to tell you this, this was a very hard lesson for me to learn. When I, I mean no disrespect, but I need to make this illustration so that it doesn't happen here. When I was a young man growing up, and perhaps my father-in-law saw the teenage years of my life, he didn't have a lot of respect for me, didn't like me very much, He let me marry his daughter, but I never felt like he accepted me. Like he was always better than I was. Everything he had was better than what I had, and and he knew so much more than I knew. I call it the Archie Bunker Syndrome. You know what I'm talking about now, don't you? The 50s do. And I was always intimidated by him. And I thought that when people get old, they just naturally get crabby. They don't have any patience with the next generation and they make them feel small to make themselves look big and important. And I said to myself, before I was 20 years of age, I never wanna be that kind of a person when it comes to the next generation. I never want to make a son in law or a daughter in law feel small or people that are younger than me in the next generation be discouraged by me. I don't want that to happen. And so I titled this message, When Does the Student Become the Teacher? Because we don't want to be that kind of a person. Brother Meyer. Please stand. Please be seated. Now, let me tell you about him. I knew that I could have picked on my kids, but I'm going to pick on him today. I knew that young man when he was a pup, I was his principal, I was his basketball coach, I was his pastor. I was and I still am his friend. Can I get an amen? I always have considered Mike and his wife Robin like a son and a daughter, but I got to change my way of thinking. He's not Mike. Oh, when we're alone or when we're in a social event, you know, I may call him by his first name, and it's only out of love. It's not out of disrespect. That is brother and sister Meyer because the student is now the teacher. He's grown up. He's earned respect by accepting responsibility, by making commitments, by faithfully supporting the work of God. Is that hard for us as 50s and above, to look at our children. When does he become your brother and not just a boy or not just a son? When does he become a man? When do you treat him the way that you treat your peers? Because he is a peer. That's two words. Isaiah, chapter 51. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their reveling. The moth shall eat them up like a garment, the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness, watch this, my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. I'm saying, and I'm included in the 50s and above, I'm saying that we should be building through encouragement, through mutual admiration. We should be passing the mantle and oftentimes even sharing the mantle. I don't think I'll ever retire from being a Christian or a home Bible study teacher or a mentor. Can I get an amen? We should never say, well, I'm 65. That's it for me. I'm checking out. I'm not going to be what I've been all these years anymore. No, you're a mentor. You should be a Marianne's an encourager. Oh, you're, you're doing great. Man, that's the greatest message, Brother Mattson. Boy, did you preach a message on Wednesday night. And can anybody say amen to the message Brother Mattson preached Wednesday night? The next generation speaking from the pulpit. They're speaking, and we need to treat them with respect. I remember the first time I ever preached, I was scared to death. Any young, younger person can relate to that? I was so scared, nervous. I got up there and I, I fumbled around and, and thought I did a terrible job and, and older people met me when I came out of the pulpit. Boy, that was a great message. Man, I didn't know you had it in you. You're gonna be a great preacher. And all of a sudden this little guy got this real big head. Thought he was what they said. Listen, you're never as good as your best, you're never as bad as your worst. Just be what God wants you to be. Just deliver the mail. Just do your best and let the anointing take care of everything else. Can I get an amen? It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter your pedigree or where you've come from. But 50s, we've got to encourage the next generation. Now let me talk to the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s. Please stand up, 20s, 30s, and 40s. you don't mind, I'm just going to stare at you for a minute. You're looking good for the next generation, isn't it? Looking good. Let me address you just for a moment. Please stand. Come out of the shadows. Let no man despise your youth. Flee youthful lusts for you are here for such a time as this. It is your time to shine. It is your time to teach, your time to sing, your time to preach. It's also a great responsibility because it's your time to give. I encourage you to make a financial commitment to God in your tithes, and in your offerings, and in your sacrifices. Don't learn the hard way. Practice the Bible way. Oh, I don't know if I can make it. Don't rob God, don't rob this church, and don't rob yourself. Because all those 50s that have been tithing all these years can say, God, Far and away outgave whatever I gave. God has always been faithful and taken care of me. I have no regrets about the generosity that I've tried to display to God. It's your time to shine. I'm calling you out again. I may keep doing it. I'm calling you out. It's your turn. Step up. Shoulder up with the 50s. And if you get an old crabby guy, find somebody else. But There's enough of us around here that love you, that respect you, that wanna help you because we believe in you. We believe in you. Thank you, you may be seated. I want to give you this illustration. It's the best one I could find. One day, a great, great man of God, a prophet of God named Elijah walked by a young man named Elisha. And he felt impressed of God to take off his coat. And he took the coat off and he put it on the young man. And the young man knew what that meant. That meant that, hey, I'd like to give you what I have so that when I leave, you can carry on. I'm putting this on your shoulder. Elijah accepted that. And he followed Elijah until he was taken away by God. And when Elijah was taken away, For the last time, Elijah's coat fell. It fell right out of the sky. It was the one thing that God allowed Elijah to drop. And he dropped it, and Elisha saw it fall, and when it landed on the ground, he hustled over and he picked it up. And he took that coat, and he walked to the river. And he was gonna try it out right away. And this is what he said. Where is the God of Elijah. And he took the coat like he'd seen Elijah do and he slapped it on the water and the waters parted just the same way as they did when Elijah did it. And Elisha was then recognized as the next leader because other people saw it happen. And do you remember what Elijah's request was of Elijah? Twice the miracles. That's what I'm asking for. I want the double portion of your spirit. And do you know what he got? He got exactly what he asked for because he was faithful. He stayed with his leader. The mentoring was complete. So here's a couple of questions I got. And if you feel so inclined, you might even want to respond by standing if this fits you. Elisha asked this question. Where is the God of Elijah? But here's my question to this congregation. Where are the Elishas of God? Not the Elijahs. Where are the Elishas of God? Moses would ask this question. Where are the Joshua's of God? Paul would ask this question. Where are the Timothys of God? Frank Tamil would ask this question. Where are the Rick Kylies of God? And I'm asking you, where are you? Stand up and be what God called you to be and asked you to be. It's your time to stand. It's your time to rise up, to be the man of God, to be the woman of God. That God has called you to be. It's your time. If God, let's stand together. If God can use on, and I'm not saying this humbly, this is not humility, this is truth. If God can use on nobody, like Rick Kiley, then God can use you. God can use you. It's your time. First Peter chapter two, let me read it in your hearing before we pray together today. I'm speaking to this entire church now when I read this. You are, not you were, not you will be. You are, I like that, a chosen generation. You are, remember the 30s and the 50s? You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, we're living in darkness, but he is a marvelous light. And here's the nobodies that I talked about. You talk about nobodies. Jesus, I don't know what you were thinking when you picked those 12. He knows what he's doing. which in time past, you weren't a people, but now we are, and but now you are the people of God. And we always remember this, church, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have, now you have obtained mercy. So the next person that comes through those doors that doesn't look like you? Remember this, that was you years ago. And look what the Lord has done. Praise God. Praise God. Jeff Brown, I love you. You're a great man of God. Where's the next Jeff Brown? Kevin Barningham, you're a great man of God. Where's the next Kevin Barningham? Do I need to keep pointing and singling people out or do you get it? So I'm asking for an altar call unlike we've had for a while. I'm asking the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s that feel that they want to be used of God and that there's a call of God on their life, I'm asking them to line this altar right now. Step out, please. 20s, 30s, and 40s. You, I've been preaching to you today. Come to this altar, please. And now, you 50s, You uncrabby, anointed, wise people, would you come and find somebody at this altar to pray with and mentor in helping us to reach the next generation together by sharing the mantle. The students are becoming the teachers in Jesus' name.